welcome to the latest Test Scotland podcast. I'm Henry Hepburn, news editor at Test Scotland, and I'm joined by senior reporter Emma Seath. Hello, Emma. Hello there. Hi. Today's guest is Blair Minchin. Now, I should give you a little background here. We originally interviewed Blair for the podcast way back on the 4th of March, two days after the first case of COVID-19 was confirmed in Scotland. But by the time we were planning to put out the podcast a few weeks later, things had moved on so much that we just didn't think we could use it anymore. Rather than background noise, coronavirus now impinged upon absolutely everything that was happening in Scottish education. Schools have been closed, exams cancelled, and it didn't make sense to put out a podcast where coronavirus wasn't front and centre. So, six months later, this is take two. If you're a teacher in Scotland and you're on Twitter at all, you'll know Blair. He's a primary teacher in Edinburgh who's become known for his entertaining videos of ingenious classroom ideas on everything from making silent movies to demystifying maths to using circus skill to explain data, launching giant dice into the classroom to encourage children to express themselves and and lots more besides. No other teacher in Scotland has taken to using video online quite like Blair has. Blair also has strong views on what should be priorities in education and has not been afraid to call out online commentators with what he sees as concerning views. As a result, he's had to feel some criticism and, at times, abuse. For all that, Blair's love of teaching remains undimmed. In a pre-COVID article for TES Scotland earlier this year, he stressed that, as a teacher, fun is serious business, that his profession should be striving to make joy, to make everything joyful, exciting and fun. Blair, welcome once again. <laughs> Hi <laughs> <Are you> there. <laughs> and I guess the, the first and most obvious question is how was how was lockdown for you? Um it was good. That was a really flattering intro, by the way. Thank you so much. <laughs> lockdown was alright actually. Alright. Um yeah, I mean I guess um the remote learning side of things to begin with was um great. My class was really good. I think we'd, we'd kind of got our guys ready to go on Teams and all given them an individual login. So we were able to do quite a lot. And we got two-thirds of the class most days, um, which was pretty good going, I think. And there were a few that we had to go out and um, you know, see if they were doing okay and, and try and get devices to and that and some written work as well for them. Um, but no, it was, it was really good. And we were able to do like a, a British Sign Language video with the kids for their farewell and that. And uh, yeah, it was fine. My poor girlfriend had to put up with me, like making all these videos and stuff. So she wasn't too impressed. But <laughs> other than that, we're still together. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> good to hear. Good to hear. And so you had P7s last year, is that right? I did. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, my daughter's P7 as well. So I've seen how you know that was a really weird time for everyone in terms of there was so much that they missed. How much were you able to replicate or do something different that compensate for missing things like? proms, residentials, Kayleys, whatever else was planned? It was tough. Um, they missed their camp. So knowing that they were going to miss it, we um, on the second last day before we shut, we kind of tried to replicate camp here. So we got, we got a load of bikes. We did some mountain biking. We made canoes and canoed on the pavement, which was funny. Um, we had a campfire, uh, line trail. So we tried to make that special for them. Um, we... Yeah, at the end of the year, we had our virtual assembly. Like, um, I sang a wee song. And my stage partner um, did a lovely wee speech and, and I put a video together for them. And our head teacher was able to be there. And that was nice, actually, as well, because you know what? We obviously we could get the families there as well. And whilst we couldn't turn on their cameras, we weren't allowed to. It was lovely to hear people, you know, in the background um, clapping them on and encouraging. So, yeah, it was really, really nice. But definitely a very weird end for those kids. And, um, yeah, I feel really sorry for them. You can't get those experiences and those memories back, can you? So we did what we could. <laughs> <laughs> and do you have a favourite story from lockdown? Uh, <laughs> I have a favourite story. Um, I was, so I set up this wee Twitter page called Little Lessons. And I was doing like two lessons every day, just for like the general population. I was doing them for my class as well, but I was like, I'll just put them out there. And I was doing like the old baking soda vinegar thing. And uh, I don't know what, I, I actually don't know what I was doing. I have no idea, but it just wasn't like working very well. It was just tiny ripples and that. And I went over to my partner who was working really, really hard. She's an accountant on her three screens. And I went over and said, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. And literally as I was speaking, it like just exploded. And went all over the keyboard. So that was the, yeah, that wasn't a very good day. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's probably the funniest story I think I've been told. 
I love that she's doing this really sort of, you know, serious, very, you know, complex numbers based job and you're messing around with like, you know, sort of Blue Peter presenter style <laughs> And because as well, I don't know what I was, there were bits where I was filming that I couldn't like, um, I, my camera wouldn't stand right. So I'd have to go through and she'd be like, I'm on a call. So I'd wait like half an hour and do things with my class, like, you know, in the background and that. And then I'd come through and you, can you hold the camera for me? <laughs> she'd be like, this is what it's come to. And I'm like, yeah. She's like, what are you doing? Bollywood dancing. Great. <laughs> okay. So she held the camera and there I am dancing away. So uh, she suffered enough. Deserves a massive pay rise. <laughs> well, she's somebody who was campaigning for the full-time return of pupils to school. Then <laughs> she had her placard ready after week one. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I imagine that you would find it, you know, sort of quite. Um, I mean, obviously, because you've done so much online, and because you've used that as a as a platform to share your ideas in the past. It's not totally alien, but I also would have had the impression that you get so much by um, feeding off the energy of the pupils and, and your colleagues. How did you find, you know, sort of being at home and being isolated and being away from, you know, other people? Yeah, I think, um, oh, kind of two parts to that, really. I think professionally, I actually found it wonderful. I really miss my colleagues. I have great colleagues at this school and then, um, yeah, and not getting to see them as much. And we had a like Friday check-in, um, but you know, kind of WhatsApp and people and that isn't the same, is it? So I <laughs> missed out on that. But professionally, there was so much professional learning that went on. Um, I know there's um, people like the Scottish Educators Connect kind of started and um, you know, they were doing a, a kind of daily like read and then sharing your opinions on Twitter. So that was great. And I did loads of CPD. So I guess that was good. And didn't have to worry about you know rushing at the end of the day sometimes cpd is like scheduled for like 3 30 and i'm like like it takes me 40 minutes to get across town so i'm always late to these things so um yeah so that was actually good but yeah you're totally right with the when you're teaching it's that to and throw with the pupils and you know you're constantly it's all about preparation of course but you're constantly reacting to what they're doing uh, you know, and seeing where things are going. And it's just experience, isn't it? And then you can like take the learning in a slightly different direction or park something. And that's really difficult to do when they, you know, you set them a task and then you get it like maybe two hours later <laughs> and then give them a wee bit of feedback. But it's so difficult because then you're like, well, this could be, you know, maybe what you've handed in could be so much better if you just tweak things, but give them feedback. And then they would have thought though that they've done their work for the day. So they wouldn't be back until the next day and they'd be like, oh, we've got new tasks today, so never mind. <laughs> Moving swiftly on. And, and, and do, you think, do you think the the last six months or so and everything you've experienced has changed you as a teacher at all? Yes, actually. I, I really do think it has. I think I was already um, in no way an expert, but I already think I was quite a trauma-informed practitioner. I guess that's a title eh? I'm bestowing upon myself. Um, but I think I've become acutely aware of just what some children are going through and really try to read as much as possible about different interventions and different schemes that have helped them. Try to, you know, look at doing that in my own practice. Doing things as a whole school, you know, currently we're, we're I mean, our senior management team are working night and day, but obviously trying to bring things together, we can't do that at the moment. So really, I think it's about teachers in their classroom doing what they can. So yeah, that's changed me. But I also think at the same time as well, I've, I've realized that I, I was a very pushy teacher. As much as I you know, do a lot of things like learning through play and active learning and this, like I, I, I'm very much like, right, we need to get onto this subjective and we need to hit this benchmark. And I've realized that actually maybe breadth and depth is more important than attainment and pushing through and levels. So. I'm actually this year I'm kind of slowing down a little bit I'm taking things slower and um, I think the kids actually already I'm seeing they're getting a wee bit more out of it they're able to talk about it more extensively and more thoroughly and uh, yeah so that's 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 the two ways I think I've changed through this whole experience. <laughs> and did you you know did you find that the return to school was what you expected it to be were the kids the way you expected them to be has it been you know, seamless? Has it been, 
you, 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 has it been a journey? What, what's that been like? It's been different. I think because I'm primary three this year, I'm at this very kind of funny stage where we're not following early years guidance, but obviously we're not doing what high schools are doing with masks and all that as well. And of course, some of my children are six years old. You know what I mean? They're six. They, so our, <laughs> the idea of social distancing and that, you know, I came in and I was like, I'm going to follow the guidance to the T, like box around my desk area wearing a mask, you know, kind of as much as possible and that. And then I realized that uh, at times we're going to have to, you know, a child will need to come into my box. <laughs> um, especially when 33 kids, one teacher in the class, you know, if somebody falls and trips them, hurts themselves, and then you've got another child doing something. Yeah, it's been difficult, but I think we're doing a really, really good job. The kids have got used to it as well. Washing of hands maintaining as much as possible distance from us and that they're doing a great job but <clears throat> i think as well a lot of chat was about academics wasn't it about this uh, academic uh, fallout and the need to catch up i am um, i can only speak for my class and of course i guess i can't take any credit for it because the teachers before me who had them and then the parents at home <laughs> with them so i'm not taking any credit but haven't done spelling and reading assessments now and I'm almost finished maths assessments uh, children have either stuck where they are or have made slight progress okay. <clears throat> not maybe as much progress as they would have when they're at school but this idea of kids falling behind at least in my class I haven't seen I know though that there are other children who have fallen behind a little bit mm -hmm. so and there, that was always a worry that that was going to happen what I have seen definitely is is that routine that was lost that's what kids are finding really difficult, some of them to get back into. Um, yeah, so that's been a challenge. <laughs> but they're coping well. When you say routine, what sort of things are they finding a struggle then? Um, just the basics of, you know what, it's like remembering uh, to light up, even remembering to get your things at the end of the day, even the order of what happens, like, you know, right after break, coming in and saying, is it home time after this? We've got lunch first. Oh, yeah, we've got lunch first, which is the sort of stuff that you'd expect from six and seven year olds, but it's definitely heightened and more so. And from the pupils who usually would know, you know, exactly what's going on, or even like, can I just ask you, is it, is, is it definitely home time now? No, it's only 10 o'clock, so we've got a, a wee bit to go. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's. As I'm, I'm a man in my 40s who, if I'm off work for two weeks, I find myself completely out of sync. So I can only imagine what it's like to be a, a six-year-old who's not been in school for, you know, five or six months and then come back to it all. Yeah. Um, if, if there, there are bound to be some people out there, teachers who are maybe struggling a bit with coming back to it all. I mean, have you any advice for people who are maybe finding it quite difficult to adapt to being back in school and, and all the demands that are being placed on them? Yeah, I am. Um, I think uh, different settings will be, every setting will be different. Like every classroom in our schools will be a bit different because of the shape. We have like um, <clears throat> your square and rectangles, but we've also got L shapes as well. So all of these present different challenges, you know? So I think some of us have got it maybe slightly better than others, <laughs> actually. Um, our break times at the moment, my lunch is, and the kids' lunch is 11.45 till 12.30, which is quite early. It means for a long afternoon so that's tough so i think it's um <clears throat> i think my advice i don't know i think everybody's finding their own way now and i'll know better than me but i would say take it easy on yourself find time to speak to your colleagues because it's lovely to find time to connect with people even when we're all sitting two meters apart <laughs> um yeah and <clears throat> i think at the moment we kind of, you know, teaching styles and pedagogy and that, I think you kind of got to do what works for you right now. And usually I'm quite bold and say, this is the way we should do things. And I know I'm quite preachy on Twitter, but I think right now, like, honestly, like, you know, if you know what works, you do what works at the moment. And when things kind of ease a little bit more, then, then I'll start nagging people <laughs> again <laughs> as to what I believe they should be doing. <laughs> I was interested in what you were saying just there, which, you know, was about at the moment, it's, um, it's every teacher essentially alone in the classroom with their pupils, just because you can't have the coming together in the way that you used to do. You're not allowed to do assemblies and things like that. 
does that mark a big shift for for most teachers not to sort of have not to have those kind of coming together moments? I think so, definitely. Like there's still consistency in the way we've set things up and you know our COVID regulations and that, but definitely like when we're in the classroom, it's kind of you know, yeah, you can't bounce off each other as much as we used to because it's I don't know. I'm maybe maybe I'm a bit of an oddball, but when I've got my Macron time or a time out that. I do like to go for a wee wander and just stick my head in people's classrooms to see what's going on. And obviously only the people who like me doing that. Some people are like, I don't like teachers watching me, so I stay away from them. So that's absolutely fine as well. <laughs> no complaints. But yeah, so it's lovely just to walk around and be like, oh, I see what you were doing. What was that? You mind chucking me that PowerPoint or, or where you got the resource or whatever. So that's lovely. So obviously we're missing out on that. So try and make more of an effort now to email people. If something went well, I'm saying, yeah, this went well. Try this out if you want, guys. Um, and other people are doing that as well. And I've got so much from, having come from P7 for the last three years, then P3, I've got some great colleagues who have been pinging me stuff and saying, why don't you try this? Why don't you do that? So that's lovely. But yeah, it's things like the assembly and that. You just miss that. You miss that coming together. And <clears throat> it's interesting. We're definitely still a school community. But that cohesiveness and that whole ethos is yeah, I'm finding it hard to really build that sense of community without it. Um, and I was Do quite proud as well. Room like, at the moment, is there a staff room just now? Or... <coughs> oh, sorry, guys, my throat is awful. <laughs> Bit worried, but <laughs> don't honestly. I've been checked. It's not continuous. No, don't worry. I've been fine all day. <laughs> um, yes, we do have a staff room. It's um. But we are, because we're staggered, there's only like four of us in it. Uh, and we kind of really space out. And we commandeered another classroom as well. So our PSAs go in that room. So there's enough space, you know. Um, but then it means that, yeah, so we're not seeing, so you're not seeing so many people. And then it's interesting as well. I guess you kind of have teacher friends, don't you? So my friends were all more upper schooly. And now I'm having to make new friends and they're lovely. But it's just very different. You just miss people. You just miss them, don't you? It's like missing your pal. All your friend, all the kids are back as well saying, I'm not with him and I can't see him. And, well, and I'm like, I know. I know what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> and is there anything else that you, that you maybe planned to do when you came back and then once you actually saw the practicalities of, what you, of it, you thought, we just can't do that or we have to do this in a completely different way from how I'd envisaged Oh, 100%. I plan to do so much outdoor learning, like so much. Uh, and I'm still able to do some, but because we've got staggered breaks and staggered lunches and that, and because PE is outside as well, um, and we've got a small playground, mm -hmm. I didn't really consider that everybody needs playground time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so we've been good at sharing it and that, but I haven't been able to get out as much as I wanted. Um, we're in that funny situation that we're getting a new school built and it's still on that we move in in Easter. And that'll be huge. There'll be space for everybody in the playground. <laughs> but right now, we can get two classes outside at one time, really. So, yeah, that, that really um, uh, constricts what I had intended to do. Uh, but it's just finding ways to bring it inside the classroom and make it less active and running about and that, because we shouldn't really be doing that inside. So, um, yeah. But the kids are right here. The kids seem to be enjoying it enough and I'm getting laughs and smiles. So I'll keep going at the moment. That's fine. <laughs> and what about the relationship with parents? You know, like, has, has, has that been something that, did you feel that you had managed to um, create a, a good rapport with parents over the lockdown period? And is it anything that it's practical to kind of continue into, you know, sort of the return of school? I think so. I think um, well, it's kind of twofold. Um, our use of teams was really good down the school. And because as well, like obviously primary ones and primary twos can't type or, you know, digital literacy skills aren't developed yet. It was parents like, you know, doing things, going on, seeing what we were doing, doing it with their child and then posting photos and stuff and saying, this is what we did today, which was lovely. But it means that we've got that now, that connection with parents. It was daily, you know, it was daily at that point with many. So try to keep that going good. So we've got like a class Twitter page we're doing, but we've got, um, usually we do a meet the teacher evening. Can't do that this year, but we're doing it online instead. Um, so that should be a good way of doing it. And just try to put 
the odd task out. I know all the homework. I'm not, we don't really set homework in P3 much, but upper school do. Uh, they're setting homework on teams still at the moment. So that's still ticking over. And so there's still that opportunity for parents to connect with us. It's different though, you're totally right. I like to have an open door policy. So I always say at the start of the year, you know, you ever want to come in and see what my class is doing? I'll try and arrange that for you. And, and that was lovely to do previously, but at the moment we can't do that. So <clears throat> share video and share pictures and stuff on the Twitter page to let parents see. Um, but yeah, it's just, I don't know. I like to meet in person. I like to see people. <laughs> so yeah, that would be nice. Um, I don't I don't quite know what our plans are for parents night yet. I don't think we've fully sorted that. So that'll be interesting to see. But I imagine that'll be virtual as well. Um, whether it's, I don't know what the rules are. I actually don't know what the rules are around cameras too much anymore if they've changed. But it'd be nice to see a parent on a camera, wouldn't it? Yeah. Rather than, at the moment, it's only us who's allowed to turn our camera on on Teams. So uh, yeah, have to see how that pans out. Yeah, yeah, that was the same for, for my kids when they were doing anything. Um, they could see the teacher, but the teacher wasn't able to see them. And in my son's case, that meant yeah. the teacher then just saw a picture of Chewbacca. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. We, <laughs> I'm getting quite, it's funny, man. All our pupils changed their logo to the Black Lives Matter um, symbol uh, because it was at that time, wasn't it? We did a, a bit about it as well. And, and that was really nice to see them kind of come together and a bit of unity in that. But yeah, I went onto my classes team's page and was like, oh, this is a wee bit different, isn't it? <laughs> like SpongeBob SquarePants and things like this. Yeah, it's lovely. <laughs> I guess that, you know, um, it would be really good to sort of rewind and to, you know, sort of take you back to how you got to this point. Um, and you know, sort of how you ended up you know, sort of being a teacher going into school during a pandemic. <laughs> what made you choose? What made you choose this career? <laughs> what were your own? Tell us a little bit about your own school days and what they, what they were like, and if that was inspirational or if it inspired you to become a teacher and do it better. <laughs> yeah. um, I've been chatted about this before. Yeah, I am. Um, my I had a couple of teachers in my family who always told me don't become a teacher. So it was kind of something that, but I always felt I'd be good at it. I remember being at high school being like, I would quite like to do this. And I always wanted to be a PE teacher as well, if I'm being totally honest. I loved that and always wanted to do that. Um, but I kind of got talked out of it. So I went and did um, law um, at university. Um, that was great. I worked in law for a couple of years and that, but just wasn't my scene. So I went and did my teacher training at Morey House was in fight for my probation and I've been in Edinburgh since. But at school, um, yeah, I was a, I was, I had a funny journey at school. I was um, at primary school, like the, the best behaved pupil, you know, would do everything, would sit, yeah, I don't know if you've ever seen the kids like sit there with cross legs and they put one finger over their mouth, like I'm quiet, I'm listening. <laughs> that was me. And at packed lunchtime in the dinner hall, I'd have my honey sandwiches and I'd eat them and then I would sit and wait to be dismissed. <laughs> Every day, our people support us. I remember Anne, that was her name, used to come around and be like, Blair, you can, you can leave. You can go. And I'd always be like, please, may I leave the dinner table? So I was a very good primary school pupil. <laughs> and I kind of continued that into high school. But then I, um, yeah, I had, I, had a, I had a decent group of friends at high school eventually. But I, I got bullied quite badly. And that kind of led me into a kind of wee spiral of not believing in myself. and. Yeah, a lot of self-doubt and sitting at home, like, you know, kind of up there and I did a lot of music, so I did my music and that, but sitting up there saying I'm doing my homework, but I wasn't, I was just sitting there worried and stuff. And um, I should say as well, I had the, the most amazing parents, I really did. It's just, I, you know, just one of these things when you're a teenager, eh? I just didn't feel I could open up to them, even though they were always there and supportive and asking about me. Um, so my fifth year results didn't go well. I was put down for five A's and I got a B and two C's and I failed my other two. Um, and then I had a real, it was quite a struggle though because then I was in denial and I was a wee bit defensive and all that about it. But I had great teachers in sixth year and I managed to get the results I needed to get to law. So yeah, but that kind of, I think that strengthened me and emboldened me a wee bit more. And I think that's why I am so into not that, not at all that I suffered trauma. I hadn't. I had a very fortunate childhood. But seeing, you know, what these kind of things can do to a mindset and can do to someone, um, I've always wanted to stick up for that, you know, that child who's going through a difficult time 
And I think that's kind of driven my practice a lot. Do you think, I mean, I don't know how much you want to go into the bullying experience that you had, but do you think that schools are far more attuned now to those sort of issues, to kids who might be struggling to, you know, where there's conflict and there's persecution or whatever going on? Do you think schools are far better at, it feels like, I'm going back 30 years till I was at school, but to me, looking back, secondary school was a bit of a gauntlet. You kept your head down and you tried not to be noticed and uh, felt sorry for the ones that did get picked on, but just sort of were grateful that it wasn't you if you could steer clear the, the you know, the, the, the bullies. Um, so do you think things have changed much since then or since your own school days? Are schools better at handling that side of things? Um. Now I don't want to be mean to my teachers because there were some lovely teachers at my high school and I'm sure all of them were actually doing, you know, the best that they could do at the time. Um, but yeah, no, there wasn't that awareness and there wasn't that follow through and things. And um, there was a great guidance base there. But I think unless you had this issues, you know, right away in first year, you weren't really picked up when I was at school. And so I was one of those kids who was doing fine first and second year. Uh, things really only started to get bad for me when you know, standard grade started and it was because I you know moving classes and things like that and different subjects so I wasn't with my mates all my time that I'd built and that's when things started to get quite bad and um, yeah I just think you were off the radar you know if you're a pupil who was doing all right you just weren't you know and you didn't say anything you didn't speak up nah, there was nothing there and I don't know how high schools work now but back then you know the playground was massive like it was a, we had a huge, went all the way around the building, you know, there was no staff out at playtime. There's sort of stuff, I say playtime, high school, come on Blair, lunchtime uh, and break. But no, there, there was a lot that went on that was never, yeah, was never picked up on at all. And I think schools know now of, you know, you see, I know schools, you know, teachers stand outside in the morning and welcome people in and wave and, and all that. And if people are coming in late, you know, they've got a base for them. Do you want to come in? Hot chocolate, biscuits and things like that, you know, no, there was none of that when, at least not that I was, maybe they, maybe there was, but definitely not for me. <laughs> and why do you think that you, you know, you were the target at times for, for that bullying? Um, I think to this day, um, I am a wee bit of an oddball. You might know that from Twitter, eh? <laughs> I am mean, a wee bit of an oddball. I was one of those people who was never afraid of speaking up in class. And I think that makes you a bit of a, weirdo actually let's be honest eh? one of those people who's like always ready to answer and if what somebody wants to do a presentation or that oh yeah i'll do it but i wasn't it wasn't i think people sometimes get the wrong end of the stick of me on twitter it really isn't a showy off thing i just i'm an oversharer that's really all i am and <laughs> i never claimed to like have it 100 percent right or that but i think i was always that way at school as well and when it, um i think maybe just some of the subjects i picked like i did i love pe and uh, things like that as well and obviously a certain group of lads who take PE as well isn't it so things like that yeah um, made it difficult I think what annoyed people more yeah this is quite specific I think what annoyed people more though was I was very good at sport um, and yet I was quite geeky uh, and academic as well and that really wound some of the lads up the wrong way you know that was their thing and so that's it kind of all stemmed from PE all my troubles um, but then obviously filtered out into the lunchtime and playground and then other subjects as well. Um, yeah, got there eventually actually. You know what, I've met up with people who bullied me since, um, bumped into them and things, and it's, it's really nice um, to, to see them, see that they're doing all right and things. And I got an apology off one as well even. It was like, oh, I always feel bad for the way I treated you and stuff. And you're like, oh, that's fine. It's all right now. But you just I don't know as a teacher now I think about kids who it wasn't it isn't all right now you know that railroaded their you know future and and that and I just feel really sorry for them and, and so I think what schools are doing now is great what I'm seeing being done at high school the support that's in place the inclusivity that you're seeing it is it's wonderful and I think Scotland's got the the right idea we're heading in the right direction definitely was guaranteed to wind you up <laughs> oh <laughs> uh, what's no I'll, oh, you know me you'll get me going now it, anything zero tolerance is just frankly silly in my opinion i really think it is like kids are obviously in scotland we have garfet getting it right for every child and we understand that every single child is unique you can't have one block system 
or you know one scheme that will fit every single child even if there's research supporting strongly supporting a policy or a scheme or whatever it's not ever it's never going to work for every single child so there's got to be i always call it wiggle room there's got to be a wee bit of wiggle room and i think especially when it comes to behavior but also when we come to ways of teaching like these scripted lessons and things that you see sometimes like oh i just think it's it belies common sense mm. i think and teaching is a very hu humane it's all about humanity and understanding people in relationships and that and i feel these things can and do actually when you speak to people afterwards do erode those relationships um so zero tolerance will get me going all the time yeah all the time <laughs> And, and that, that debate is sometimes caricatured even as a sort of pretty black and white thing with some people on one side of the fence, some people on the other, and the people on the opposite side of the fence from you will say, well, if things really kick off, then what are you going to do? Just let them away with it? I mean, what do you say to that sort of argument? I, I say that they've never worked with a five or six-year-old. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, now, I think it's easier. I actually, you know what, I, I, I kind of side with this argument that Children and adults, we're conditioned, aren't we? we? We just end up learning what is the done thing. And so if someone's shouting at you, you know sometimes, even if you're annoyed, just to back off or whatever. You can't do that with a child at five or six. They don't understand that. You know, you can scream until you're blue in the face. Um, and, that, and, and these, you know, zero tolerance punishments and, and procedures and that, well, some of them won't be able to comprehend it and understand it. So... Yeah, and I think even as an adult, though, I think it's that, oh, sorry, I'm talking in riddles now. I'm waffling a little bit. Um, <laughs> what was I trying to say? I think, though, that we are too quick to try and put kids in a system and say, you know, this is the way it's done here and you've got to conform to it. I think school should be more about helping children flourish and, and more of a, goodness me, a, a movable body. You know, it's like, it's like a living, breathing organism and it's constantly changing with the ideas of these children and the personalities of them and that. I, I, and I feel sometimes that whilst we want consistency in schools, sometimes we uh, try to ram things down the kids' throats and you know everybody becomes a kind of robotical kind of mm. caricature type thing. And, and I just think that's really sad. Um, yeah, should be a, a celebration of life. Um, and, and some of what I see, it's a minority of course, but some of what I see on Twitter seems to be uh, trying to silence that that celebration and make it more um, uh, a conveyor belt. There was a bit of a debate recently about whether it's ever right to shout as a teacher. What's your view on that? And have you ever shouted much as a teacher? Oh. <laughs> yeah, I, you know what? I actually do. I think I think there is a time to shout. Very rarely, though. Um, I, I said to my kids this year, I said, you know, I'm, I'm making a rule for myself, but also for you. I will raise my voice if somebody is in danger so if somebody's about to hurt somebody or that but other than that i shouldn't shout and if i do shout call me out on it guys let me know because uh, i shouldn't be shouting um and it's it's done very well so far i've had to raise my voice once um and then in yeah over the last years working in primary seven very rarely again i think if you drill the kids from the start oh, there you go hey, i'm talking about consistency and that but then i'm like drill them <laughs> but no like in your wee callbacks like uh, i don't know say no oh or even you're clapping if you just rehearse that over and over and over that's the only thing i think you really need to drill because if you can get them that they know once you stop you stop and you're only going to speak for 20 30 seconds and then they're back to their task that keeps that pace in your lesson going and the pace in the classroom and the kids understand as well that you're not going to keep them in there for ages i found when i started teaching because i didn't really drill that and say guys this is what you need to do this is what we're doing i found that that's when your lessons slowed down you do your clap half the class does it the other class are half are still working away you know that's when things start to break down then you get kids saying like oh just let me finish and it starts to build up that way. So, uh, yeah, I don't think you should need to shout unless something very, very serious is about to happen. Um, it's tempting to shout at times. 
<laughs> but uh, I, I think you see some kids in their eyes, the harm it does right away. You can actually just sense it off them. So, yeah, try not to do that. And you've said that te- teaching is exhausting. What's the most exhausting aspect of, of teaching? Uh, oh, you know, it, before, in, prim- in upper primary, I would have said uh, it's the planning uh, because the gap there is, is so wide that you're planning so many different things for people. Uh, I found that now uh, that I've gone down to school, I find the hardest thing is actually the tracking of where they're at, it, especially like teaching things like phonics, like you know, you know, letters and your sounds and that. Try and make sure that you're definitely knowing what child did it, what child wasn't managing it and needs a little bit more. Try to tick them off. I find it's much more paperwork intensive than the school. Um, but maybe that's just because it's very new to me and I'll be able to change it. <laughs> or uh, I'll find a new way around it and that. Um, but I know my colleagues said as well that, yeah, it's, uh, they find it much, it's the tracking that's the hard bit down there. The planning of things is actually a little bit more straightforward because we do a lot of learning through play and a lot of stations and carousels and that. Whereas up the school, you know, when you're trying to take on something like Black Lives Matter, you know, the amount of material that you need to teach yourself first and go through, um, yeah, I found that took a lot more time. And I suppose almost the converse of that question is what's the best thing about teaching? What do you love the most about it as a job? Uh, you know, I, when I was interviewed for my job in Edinburgh, they asked what's teaching, in three words, describe teaching to you. And I nicked it from uh, Sir John Jones. Uh, he, he told me it and I said, I'm going to nick, nick that one. But yeah, he's totally right. Uh, what's, describe teaching in three words. I said, it's children, it's children, it's children. That's, what, that's the best thing about it. They're just wee bundles of joy and they're wee firecrackers. They have so many amazing ideas and so much potential. And you just see that potential. And uh, yeah, it hurts when you see that things aren't going right. And if they're coming in without their breakfast and they've not slept and that, that really, really grates at me. Because I think, wow, the things that these kids can do, you know. Um, but yeah, working with them, seeing a smile on their face, uh, having them suggest a lesson. I love that. Could we do this next week? Could we do that? Or as I mentioned, I finished, so I went and tried to do this some, or I went and tried to do that. Honestly, just little bits of magic like that make the job just so worthwhile. What's, what's the wackiest idea from a pupil that you've tried to run with? <laughs> ah, uh, <laughs> hairdressing, yeah. Hairdressing. Mr. <laughs> uh, Richard, can we do hairdressing? Uh, how could we do that? Well, you could buy a load of wigs and put them on balloons. That was a suggestion. I said, do you know how much a wig costs? Uh, no. And uh, yeah, no, so uh, we, you know what? We did buy one wig and one balloon. <laughs> and stuck it on as like a choosing activity for this person. And it was a, it was a very short haircut, but it, it was kind of layered there was a bit going on there so i was like this is lovely to see but uh, yeah that's the wackiest one <laughs> when it comes to your own you know obviously you've you know sort of created a lot of content and there'll be a lot of teachers that you know sort of have used you know your own videos about lesson ideas um to inspire them in their classrooms so but what, what's been your favorite one what's the standout one for you um you know, just this year, I've started doing these, I call them uh, discovery days, where um, I am kind of basing a whole day off of a Pixar movie. Pixar movies are great. You know, they're inclusive. They're usually talking about climate change or something like that, or sustainability. I love them. So we've done, uh, so far, we did the movie Cars, with the clean energy and that. And you know what, if I just quickly run you through my day, this will be why it's my favourite. So they came in and every child, i got every child a wee car. And on a whiteboard, they had to draw a track for their car to go around. And then I said, right, you need to find somebody and you need to put your whiteboards together and make a track that joins. Then you need to find another two and do it. And we ended up making this one whole class racetrack. And it was just great. And then they were racing around with their cars. So that was the morning. And then I was like, right, we're going to look at speedometers. So I'd like put white tape on the floor with a ruler looking at speedometers. And for the ones that needed a bit more challenge, it was going up in threes. And then I was putting it between like, you know, three and six and saying what would come there and really thinking and just to see six-year-olds go four and a half. They're like, oh my days, that's amazing. Like, so doing that. And then I drove my car into the playground and we looked at my car. We opened up the engine 
and it was great. And I had a girl who it was like, I know how you change the oil. And I was like, all right, where's the oil then? Points to the oil. And then she was just in my car. And you take it out like this. Ripped. I was like, all right, okay. And how would you check the oil? So she, well, like, slow down a minute, slow down. I just need to take a few notes. <laughs> I was so excited. I was like, but they were so good at like just standing back. Where's the oil then? I loved it. She just took a step forward. Here it is. Weak. Out comes the stick. It's like, ah! But it was great. And then we came in, we did a bit of writing about clean energy and they had to design their own racing team and, and that. And then in the afternoon, we're looking at friction. We had the Hot Wheels ramps. Uh, and then we did a bit of prediction as well. So we made a massive Hot Wheels track. We raced the cars to see how quick they were. And, uh, and it was just wonderful. And just uh, at the end of the day, I was like, right, just write or draw a face, even how you felt about today. And not one bad comment, just kids just saying, I loved it. And can we do more like it and stuff? And then getting parents as well. Like the parents at ours are all having to stay, you know, at the gate all socially distanced. But I had uh, one girl run out and say, Mr. Mitchell, I know, but can you come kind of to the gate so my mum can speak to you? And I said, yeah, yeah, no worries. Like from a distance speaking at the gate, she's just like, I can't believe they were able to see inside the car. I just thought it was lovely and wonderful. So that, that sort of experience that I'm doing, and I'm doing one every week. Uh, we just did a Hindu wedding today. So that was mad. Um, yeah, like curry and uh, Bollywood dancing and uh, uh, Mendy on the hand and, and learning about Hinduism as well and, and the gods and Brahma and Rabin and all that. Oh, yeah, I'm just loving it. I'm loving life on a Wednesday. Caught me on a good day. <laughs> you obviously share a lot of your ideas online. You do these great little videos. What's your what's been your favourite video, and what's the key to creating a good educational video? Oh, um, I tend to like the videos where I look really daft, and <laughs> because I think that is me, and it shows me. <laughs> um, I like my music ones. I think that's yeah the way because it's I I've got a real passion for music. I did one where I did lines on the pave, uh, on, on the pavement, outside, eight lines, the kids would walk in time. And then you could add like uh, X's and O's and that to represent a clap or a snap or whatever. And so they could make really good bars of music as they walk. And then if you do it in the classroom, like I play guitar, so I'll play the guitar so they're walking in time and then they're snapping and clapping and things. And it's, um, yeah. That's a really, really good lesson. And, and I found that kids at P7 and kids at P3 as well now, like who lack that kind of rhythm, natural rhythm because they can actually see it because they're moving with their body. Yeah, they get it. They all get it. And that's, yeah, so that's one of my favorites, definitely. And, and for people who maybe want to do something similar, what's, what's the key to a good video? Oh, to a video. Um, um, probably be better looking than me. That would would get you more views, definitely. And don't speak as quickly as me. That would be good as well. Um, I think, what, oh, what do I do? So I always show a picture of what the end product is at the start. I found when I was doing videos, it was my face right away. A lot of people would be like, not that guy again. They would switch off. And I would switch off if I saw my face too. I, that's genuine. So yeah, showing somebody you know, what you're going to do trying to keep it quite light and upbeat. And I think giving people, it's sharing activities that you know can be done across various stages and that there's room to adapt and change. Um, yeah, I, I find, I have short shared some things on, you know, very specific, like uh, iPad apps and things like that. But yeah, um, you know, I, I think it, it's, if we're wanting to help, I feel, I just like to share what I'm doing because I'm like, there'll be somebody who's maybe a bit stuck on this. Maybe here's an idea that worked well for me. So sharing ideas that, you know, are common problems that people come up against or things that we do loads of that need a bit of variation. Yeah. It's so interesting that you, you know, that you take the time to do all of that because it seems that to me, you know, the way that you, you do your lessons and you've got your new discovery days and that it, it must be sort of so time consuming already and then that's another you know what is it that motivates you to share it yeah um it is it is time consuming um uh, i am very lucky in that uh, my family's all in good health at the moment um you know my mom and dad are fine and, and my partner's parents are fine um i don't have children myself as well so um 
listen, I think I'll be very candid here. Yeah, I, I, I know that my time as this kind of, you know, Scottish video guy is, uh, is finite. You know, it, it will end at some point and someone else will come along and do something new. And there'll be a new app one day, won't there? Like, once Twitter's done, I don't know if I can be bothered with a new app. So, um, <laughs> whilst, I've got, <laughs> so whilst I've got the opportunity, I think it, I always feel, and oh, this is this will annoy some people. It will, but I'll just say it personally. I feel that we've got the time. We've got a duty as teachers to share our practice uh, and to share what we're doing. Uh, I don't think anybody should be doing it as much as me. I'm a geek. You don't need to be doing it that much. But um, I think you know we we should be. If we if we think we're doing something right, we should be putting that out into the community. I'll tell you what, you know, he's asked me what ticks me off. Teachers pay teachers really ticks me off. Um, and I know that will annoy some people because they put loads of time into their resources and they feel, well, I put this time in, I'm giving it to you. You know, two quid isn't much to ask for in that. But personally, I think, you know, it's, it, it's not about... I didn't go in teaching for the money. I went in teaching because, uh, you know, I lived in Edinburgh and I saw these amazing private schools and then kids living... In, in my neck of the woods in Pilton and stuff, you know, and, and so it's not fair. And so as teachers, it's not just about you. It's not about you being the best teacher, about you having the best school, about the best class. It's about the whole community working together. And, and I think there's some great ideas out there that need to be shared more. Uh, some great practice uh, I could do with learning in a lot of areas. So, and I'm sure there's great teachers out there doing great things. So if they were willing to share theirs a bit more freely, I would much appreciate it. So. From that standpoint, you know, <laughs> I'm trying to be humorous about it. But from my standpoint, you know, I feel I've got a duty to share what I'm doing as well. And if people like it, great. If they don't, fair enough. But I put it out there anyway. So, how do you see the rest of the year panning out? What are your predictions? Do you dare not make any? <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, goodness me. I've never won the lottery yet. So, I am not going to start to try to predict how this is going. <laughs> um, I think I'm signed up to, for the teacher leadership program uh, this year, which when people hear that, they think about head teaching, deputy head. No, it's not about that. It's about just, you know what? It's actually about finding a better way to share your practice, really. Uh, so I'm really excited about that. But again, that's, a, that's quite an intensive course, but it's all online. Like it's, it's through blogs, it's through Zoom meetings. Uh, so yeah, I'm really excited because that's, I know that's a year long course. You know, to see something through to its end and see how it develops and that will be really interesting. Um, yeah, as far as the school goes, I don't know. I think we're going to be like this oh, for a long time, aren't we? Yeah. Um, but it is what it is. I'm just trying to make things as good as I can for the kids and try and, you know, uh, yeah, that's it. Try and make it as is a happy and enjoyable place, a, a place of wonder and curiosity as well. I really am trying that. But also as well, ugh, when I'm doing maths, when I'm doing literacy, I kind of saying to them, it's time to learn. <laughs> See all that fun stuff that we do, we do it, but you know, I kind of need you to crack on a wee bit here. So uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, that's how I can see the year panning out. What I know of, uh, what I'm most disappointed about, I guess, is we set up in the school two years ago a, a house sport competition for sport houses, and every Thursday they'd compete. And that was a wonderful thing. And we have the big bird, which is a big inflatable bird outfit, which I have tried so hard to get other teachers to go into, and they won't. So it's always been me. But anyway, it comes out like on stage, and a kid, you know, we have like a, a jumping jacks competition and things, and then the whole school has a go. So that's been a wonderful thing. And we did, we started to do inter-school sport with a school up the road as well. All through it, can't do any of it. Mm -hmm. uh, that's a real shame. And, um, you know, the kids as well this year were dead excited about being sport captains and things. Um, yeah, so that's just, and I don't know when we'll get to even start doing that. So that's a real shame. For our school community, that really brought us together, I felt. So, um, yeah. So that is your bird costume safely stored away until the next time you can use it, whatever it is. And what kind of bird is it? <laughs> <laughs> it is. Absolutely. You know what? At lockdown, I, uh, I'm sure as many of us did, started to eat a wee bit more because the gyms weren't open. So I'm not sure if I'd fit into it. I have to go and check, actually. <laughs> Just as well, it's inflatable. <laughs> I was going to say, you definitely know you've got a problem when you can't fit into an inflatable costume. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
I tell you, you know what, it's the head. I don't know, it's made for adults, but I must have a wonky-shaped head. I'm only five, but my head doesn't go through. So I'm always like, whenever I'm doing things on stage, the head always like falls down. It's really difficult. And then I fall over and then everybody laughs. So I guess it's doing what we wanted to do. <laughs> I think we've got three quick, quick fire, big questions for you to end on. I'll, I'll go first. So what makes a great teacher? Passion. Best and worst things about Scottish education? Uh, the weather um, and the weather and concrete playgrounds and the weather. <laughs> <laughs> They're worst things. So what, what's the best thing then? Uh, oh, the, the accents. <laughs> I genuinely, I love a Scottish accent. And I love as well, I'm taking a real thing this year into to speaking. Uh, I'm saying things like, oh, didn't he do that? And things. And the kids are, have looked at me and I said, there's nothing wrong with us saying that. That's our language. That's, it's absolutely fine. I said, yes, I make you write, don't do that in your daughter. <laughs> you know, because we have to learn reading that. I said, but when we're speaking to each other, we can, we can blether away whatever way we want. You know, so long as it's our language and we're proud of it. Because if we don't, it will die out. It'll die out. So could I just point out here very quickly before any, because I get this all the time. Um, I'm no SNP nationalist or nothing like that. You know? <laughs> um, I just feel very strongly that, you know, I think we, we're doing a good job with Gaelic schools. Uh, but I think the Scots language has kind of just been sidelined. You know, it comes up Burns Week and then maybe that's kind of it. I think we need to keep it alive and well and breathing and, um, and it let children know that, you know, I, oh, that they're allowed to speak in that way. That is their voice um, and it should be heard. And just finally, something we like to ask everyone is who is your favourite fictional teacher? Oh, eh, oh, this is going to be a bit cringe, isn't it? It's Jack Black, not for his professionalism, of course, in School of Rock, mm -hmm. not for just because he made something come to life, didn't he? Eh, and yeah, it was all very selfish, and it? it was all driven by him, wasn't it? There was no pupil voice, and that's what I'm all about. There was none of that, but he had such a passion, such a drive, and you could see the enjoyment in the kids, and they learned loads in the movie, didn't they, really? They did. Uh, so yeah, definitely him. <laughs> yeah, well, thanks very much, Blair. That's been absolutely brilliant. Um, best of luck for the year ahead, and thanks again for your time. Thank you, Blair. That was great. Thanks, Emma. Thank you, Henry. It's lovely to chat to you. Thanks for the opportunity.